Welcome back to Hashtag Colonized Cannabis. This is volume two, episode seven, featuring Mahad, Muhammad Ali from the Legacy Market out in Montreal, Quebec. It's a pleasure to have you here tonight, Mahad. Uh, we connected first originally back in October, very early in October, had a great discussion, started planning things out. Things got busy. I'm out in Calgary, Alberta now, and uh, following up, continue where we were, man. And like I said, it's a pleasure to have you on. I learned a little bit about you back in October, uh, checked out the website, everything like that, and it, to it totally blew my mind. We connected on LinkedIn originally, following each other there, seeing what's what's up, and I had a glimpse of, the, of what the company did, what the legacy market actually was doing as far as uh, the genetic side of things and, and show, showcasing some of the, the, the high-quality product. And uh, connecting with you, I learned a whole lot more, more of what you're capable of, how long you've been around in Canada, and uh, please just share a little bit about uh, the legacy market, how it all began for you and, and where things are going, my man. Yeah, so uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show, uh, Jordan. Uh, pleasure to go ahead and give some, a little bit of glimpse and advice onto, you know, especially individuals coming over from uh, the legacy market side, coming over to a regulated side and, you know, all the hurdles and everything and all of the noise that everybody uh, claims that you need to get inside the industry, you know? Um, so one thing I've done for a lot of people is, uh, um, I've canceled out a lot of the noise, you know, uh, providing a lot of information, a lot of sound information that, um, I can go ahead and get them, um, over to a regulator market a lot quicker than if they were to go ahead and go about it themselves. Um, so as a patient myself, um, back in 2015, I was actually looking for access to medical cannabis. Um, I was searching left and right, high and low for it. You know, I was going on all blog sites and everything in order to try and find a doctor. Um, once I found a doctor in order to go ahead and pretty much uh, provide me access, I uh, pretty much uh, the whole business idea just blinked off in my head. You know, like if I can get a prescription for myself, you know, like imagine everybody else. Right. right. So I pretty much just opened up the floodgates for everybody. Um, I ended up opening a, a clinic with a couple of my buddies back in 2015. Um, uh, so I started helping out Canadians across Canada get access to healthcare practitioners in order to, you know, get signed up to licensed producers or in order to go ahead and grow their own cannabis for medical purposes. Um, so that's pretty much where it started, you know, me and myself looking for it myself as a patient, growing myself as a patient, looking for access for myself. Um, a year off into it, you know, of helping Canadians get access, then uh, the commercial side of things of the whole licensed producer started to take place, right? We're starting to see more and more licensed producers get into the space. Um, and as, you know, as as somebody that's, um, that's business oriented at first, right? Um, while being a patient too at the same time, but my business, my, my, my brain's always moving when it comes to, okay, what's the next thing that's going to happen and how can I pretty much stay ahead of the curve. Right. Um, so I realized that, okay, since I'm helping individuals with licensing, personal licensing, might as well help people with commercial licensing, right? Uh, yeah. Helping individuals become licensed producers, helping individuals that are trying to convert over from uh, what we used to call the black market, uh, now the legacy market, convert over to the regulator market. Nice. So um, I ended up teaming with uh, some consultants across Canada. Um, I actually partnered up with key consultants across Canada. Uh, one of the individuals I teamed up with was Tricom Consulting Services, uh, which is John Carroll out in BC. And uh, with the help of John, you know, and uh, 
We've helped over 100 plus license holders across Canada obtain their license approval. Um, oh, yeah. Me, myself, just with the clients that I brought, you know, I could say about 20, just with John himself and the whole background that he has, you know, um, John is actually was one of the individuals next to Health Canada when it came to drafting up the applications and the regulations, right? So it gave us a better insight of what Health Canada wanted as compliant and non-compliant, because if you can remember back in 2016, we were submitting 3,000 to 4,000 page binders. You know what I mean? To Health Canada. Right. It wasn't the, the CTLS program where you see now where everything is all digital, right? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. We were submitting applications back and forth, uh, you know, like um, individuals taking years in order to go ahead and complete an application because, you know, Health Canada wasn't giving individuals a clear, concise plan on how to build a facility or how to put together a compliant application. So they had to do a lot of back and forth in order to see what was well, what was right. So essentially how it worked is that they go by each page by each page. Um, so we eliminated a lot of the headaches for individuals by not having to do that, by providing them pretty much compliant, uh, a compliant template that they can work off of, knowing that Health Canada would pretty much approve the application as right. long as you pretty much fulfill these guidelines. Um, as far as your facility design and your security design, your quality assurance program, uh, your security parameters and all of these things. Um, how we pretty much did it all after, at the end is that, you know, we told, we told our clients, you know, the only thing you need to guarantee is that you'll pass security clearance and that the facility that you're operating in is zoned by your municipality. If you can guarantee us those two things, we'll pretty much guarantee your application. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So um, then after that, it started becoming a one stop shop, helping individuals, not only with the licensing, but then with equipment, with seat uh, to sell software, with uh, logistics, with all of these other things that accompanied becoming a fully functioning, compliant facility with Health Canada. Right. It's one thing. Um, it's one thing getting a license. It's another thing having an operational facility. Right. So. Yes helping individuals get across the finish line as far as that. And, uh, you know, when, when everybody was focused uh, so much on the building their license and getting approved, they weren't focused on who they were going to sell to, who they were going to buy from, and all these other things. So, you know, naturally, given our relationships with license holders across Canada, it only made sense to do the connections with everybody. Right. Exactly. Right. So we connected players to players, connected processors to cultivators, cultivators to processors. And, you know, when everybody had their ego at the door, you know, we'd come in and be like that break, uh, that icebreaker to come in and be like, hey, Tom, meet Harry, you know what I'm saying? Or Harry, meet Sherry. Um, right. You know, you guys don't need to have your ego at the front. You know, you guys can help each other out. The next thing you know, the individuals are talking and they have more in common than they know. Right. You know? Yeah. It's um, a that's a beautiful thing for sure. The networking. Absolutely. Eh? Right. So really starting from there. And then after that, like, uh, um, so the first company I had was curative care. Uh, that was with the, pretty much the clinics and everything like that, helping Canadians get access to prescriptions. And then on the second part of pretty much the licensing 2.0, I opened up a company called the Cannabis Scout with a couple other colleagues. Um, and then after that, I ran that for a couple of years. And in the year of 2021, actually, I just opened up the legacy market. Um, so I dissolved the cannabis scout, I dissolved curative care and everything like that. And I pretty much merged all of my other experiences into one company, yeah. uh, which is now what you call the legacy market and, uh, pretty much provide an all encompassing service and everything. And a cherry on top to 2021, um, as far as the legacy market is that now I provide genetics, you yeah. know, so, 
um you know like this is how you uh this is how we got in contact you know what i'm saying but yeah exactly those, those crazy fire and everything like that just to pretty much tease the market and let everybody know that look you know uh, we understand what the market is getting and it's not something that, you know, that we agree with per se, but here's our take on what we feel great quality cannabis is and what we want to bring to the market, you know? So uh, we work with like world-class breeders. Uh, we work with uh, amazing pheno hunters across Canada. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, pheno hunting, you know, that's not for, that's not for the faint of heart. You know, uh, when you're talking about pheno hunting through strains and you're pheno hunting through beans and, you know, you're going you're going through about 10,000 to 20,000 beans a year or seeds in order to go ahead and ultimately just choose five. Right. Um, it ultimately becomes a very daunting task and very cost effect, uh, cost, costly task, uh, very energy consuming, time consuming and all of these other things, you know. Absolutely, um, yes. So really bringing in all of these unique genetics that are exclusive to the legacy market. Um, not only exclusive, but, you know, when we look at genetics, we think of it like pal like wine, right? Uh, there's different individuals that have different palates that have different flavors. You know, one person might be looking for something gassy, one person citrusy, one person fruity, one person earthy, right? Um, so what we did is that we like to work with a number of pheno hunters and breeders across the uh, world and Canada. Um, in order to go ahead and get different profiles from different from different parties, right? And yeah. uh, not only that, but then after that, provide these individuals a platform uh, to shine, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, the reason why we have these genetics is because of these breeders, because of these phenol hunters, it's because of these uh, art cultivators, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. We're just there to go ahead and advocate them, you know, hence the name, the legacy market. Yeah, it's, it's quite fitting and... I like you said, top-notch, man, top-notch genetics. And it shows in the, in the products that you showcase uh, through social media, definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm yet to consume some of your product, but we talked about that. I'm in Alberta now. I'll be in Manitoba again next week for a week and then back and forth kind of deal through 2022. So I will absolutely be looking for your product. And, 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 and you know what I mean? I'll be sure a professional review on that. And I can only imagine that I've seen, like you said, the trichomes, the quality of the, the cured and, and final uh, trimmed flowers that, that are coming around there. Absolutely beautiful. So when yeah. you mentioned 2015, I have, a, I have a quick question with, with all of that, like being in Quebec, especially, uh, right. So that's where you're in Montreal, Quebec. Yes, I am. And, and Quebec and Manitoba, they also have some similarities on the setbacks on the recreational, the permitting of the recreational four plants at the federal level, but even before that, so before the legacy market and when you kick things up in 2015, 2016, how, how was that, uh, was it defined then for you as a legal gray area or like, were there any qualms or concerns at the time when getting, getting established in the medical area of things, but looking to, as you move towards commercial uh, and became a, a company, but prior to legalization, was there any navigating that you had to do specific to that? Or is it better just bringing, like you said, the key players in and, and connecting the dots? Well, um, I found that, uh, you know, having, you know, the recreational laws when it comes to the medical laws, those are two completely separate things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We have provincial laws versus uh, federal laws, right? So when you're talking about medical cannabis and everything like that, you're dealing with more of a federal a federal guideline where, you know, if you're not allowed the full plan per household uh, type for recreational, it's okay because recre uh, medically you still have your plant count, right? right. So you still yeah. have your your five grams or your 30 grams, which equates to 25 plants or 150 plants, right? Or right. all the way up to 400. I know guys that have 500 plants, right? Uh, yeah. So 
Um, really, to be honest, uh, the way that we did it, and you know, this is a little jewel that we're going to be dropping for everybody. You know, um, a little bit of uh, you know to go ahead and fast track their way into the regulator market. If you have an ACMPR license or MMAR license, um, the great thing about having a license prior is that it allows you to pretty much um, test run on how you're going to operate as a commercial facility. Right. 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 So uh, now you can per se, let's say you have a commercial license or you're out or you're opting to go get a commercial license and you have a commercial facility and everything like that. Um, and you have your personal ACMPR license Well, you can go ahead and take your personal ACMPR license, put it to that commercial facility in which you want to have your uh, uh, micro facility or standard uh, facility eventually. Right. And you could go with your personal product, your medical product inside there um, yeah. at the same time as you're building up to become a micro, you know? And at the same time, what that's going to do is that it's going to show you first of how you're going to want to operate inside your micro facility. It's going to eliminate a lot of the SOPs for you because you're going to know how you're going to be operating. Right. Um, and the second thing is that it's going to save you a lot of time as far as cost effectiveness of building. Because you can already start building your facility to the specifications on which Health Canada wants a micro to be built. Right. Right. So yeah. it helped us a lot in order to have a medical license in prior because it allowed us to get into the market a lot quicker because it allowed us to go ahead and build our facility prior. It allowed us to have plants inside our facility prior. Right. So by yeah. the time that we were ready to have a license, we were already rocking with genetics. We were already rocking a couple of rooms and knowing uh, how each room was operating. And we were already aware of our standard operating procedures. Beautiful, beautiful. So now then the legacy market advancing and, and where you're going with the genetics of that, are you, are you operating then a, nurse, a nursery license as well? Yeah, uh, so um, we're not a license holder actually. Okay. So uh, what we do is that, again, we're just a one-stop shop, you know, when it comes to licensing and just helping everybody else become licensed. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it just it just so happened to hit us, you know, to to have our own, uh, to have our own uh, brand and everything like that into the market as well. But with the genetic side, essentially, uh, we work with specific license holders across Canada. Uh, so we're very selective on our license holders. Um, when it comes to our genetics, um, you know, there's over 350 plus licensed cultivators in Canada. Uh, we work with maybe 10, right? Um, and uh, the reason why we do that is first to make sure that there's no oversaturation of the product, right? right. Um, like what's happening with, uh, you know, a lot of the strains that we see that are just abundant inside the market that provinces are turning away just because there's just too much of it. Right. Like, you know, like a black cherry punch and a pink kush and all these other things that are just redundant, Right. right? Um, but the second thing it allows us to do is that it allows us to have a certain level of quality assurance that's maintained, right? Because it's way easier for us to um, help or have a more intimate relationship or connection with five to 10 players as opposed to 50 to 100 different players right. that have our genetics. And now, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Founders. But, you know, when he's first building up his McDonald's franchises and everything, there's okay, he gets yeah, everybody yeah. A franchise and there's people that are putting the size of, you know, uh, selling chicken wings there that are putting, you know, the uh, the lettuce, the size of a burger inside the inside the McDonald's burger, which completely yeah. doesn't make it a McDonald's burger. Right. So we're trying to stay uniform. And, uh, you know, like we tell everybody, it's one thing for us to provide a high performance vehicle. 
it's another thing for individuals to know how to drive, handle, or even treat one of these vehicles, right? Right. Um, it's not your average car you're going to leave out in your street and, you know, just let slush get all over it and rust and everything like that. Um, in order to get a quad finish, in order to get quad products, you need to go ahead and take quad um, uh, methodologies, right? So you need to go ahead and uh, curate. The, you need to take care of these plants every day. You need to defoliate. You need to make sure the temperature is right. You need, to make, you need to make sure that you're trimming properly, you're drying properly, you're curing properly, uh, you know, like all of these things in which entail you know, a quality cannabis. So um, when it comes to the legacy market, we're just looking for our great cultivators that we could provide our genetics to and that could provide, uh, that can bring out the best expression from these genetics, right? Um, we, like to, uh, we like to give genetics to individuals where um, the genetics work with the facility. Now, we don't want the facility to have to pretty much adapt to the strain. I don't want anybody changing their SOPs, you know? Right, yeah. Your stand, you set standards for sure. Quality assurance and you know what I mean? Like set the intimacy there and in, in connecting with your players for sure. That's going to go the distance because then you're going to, you're all going to learn the product together. The advancements in it, any setbacks, all of that absolutely makes perfect sense. And there's not too much of a saturation too. So now where you have provinces that are getting too much of one product, that'll never happen with the legacy market genetics, no. you know, uh, right. because of how, you know, uh, most individuals, when they come up to us, you know, they'll, they'll ask us for exclusivity for our genetics. And like I explained to everybody, you don't need to get exclusivity from me. You already get it off the bat just because we work with uh, a so few of licensed producers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for the chances of you guys stepping on each other's toes are very, very unlikely. Right, right. So at this point, then, uh, whereabouts in Canada? Uh, which provinces have you have you gotten your product into, or or your your breeders? Where where are uh, Canadian listeners definitely going to find find the legacy market at this point? Yeah, so uh, you know, I work with uh, you know you know, specific breeders uh, across uh, across the world, and I work with the specific pheno hunters in Canada. Like when it comes to tuna room, when it comes to alchemy genetics, lush cannabis. Uh, when it comes to you know breeders like alchemy cannabis again uh i mean like alchemy genetics um like uh compound like conorado all these other guys you know that tuna room and everybody else works with too um so really bringing in uh, different types of flavors when it comes to it um as far as where we're dropping in canada right now um we have our cultivators across canada we have some of them in saskatchewan uh, we have Vigor Life Cannabis in Saskatchewan. Uh, we have a couple. Uh, we have no. We have Origin Coast out in Nova uh, in Nova Scotia right now that has our layer cake. Uh, that actually put out the layer cake with Aqualitas and um, um, inside the Nova Scotia market, and they're actually about to go ahead and put it out throughout Canada as well. Very and nice. um, you know, when it comes to the cultivators, we have cultivators coming online every week. You know, um, we're very, again, very specific on which ones that we work with. Um, so making sure that, uh, you know, we get the, the, the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to our cultivators and making sure that, you know, we fit the right genetic with the right grower, you know, because that's yes. what the most important part is, making sure that the genetic thrives inside the cultivation methods of the, of the facility. So we're scattered throughout Canada, man, and we're looking to hit up BC very shortly, very Ontario nice. very shortly. Uh, we're looking to go ahead on international fronts as well, as far as Israel and all of that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Global man, global. Why not? Right. Like it's a global community. Most people are, are, that's what I find. Like if you, in your experience too, 
connecting down with the U.S. players, right? Like it's usually, uh, I really, there's no borders to it, right? It doesn't come down when you're in the community and you're in the culture and you, you make the, the appropriate connection. Uh, a lot of the times in those American connections that I've, that I've acquainted now, there's really never any U.S. Canada talk to it, right? It's just nice and smooth, strictly cannabis culture, uh, cannabis industry and, and where things are going. So that belief there, that, that uh, the, the vision of that international play and, and alleviating that, getting, you know, even that, that could even less sat, cause the market to be less saturated and, and expanding that, even um, amalgamations and partnerships as they will go to that way. Uh, the legacy market, though, one thing in particular, so Flourish Ventures Limited and then the decolonized cannabis platform, uh, I'm Métis myself. So I'm, the idea behind that is, is realistically, so 20 years of uh, professional organizational and education in Indigenous governance and, and such and, and similar experiences. And then the idea with the, light, the, the legal market coming to play in, in 2018 that, uh, you know, I've been consuming cannabis since I was 2019. So I've been a shopper. I'm also medically certified to consume as well as produce and, and snowballing all, that all together without losing any of my previous. So it's really realistically saying that I have accomplishments over 20 years, but at the same time, I've been consuming cannabis that whole time. So one, did it set me back? Not at all. And now to snowball it into what could, what could those marketing and advertising skills all come together with it? So the indigenous uh, cannabis, like, like we've talked already, so medical, Recreational and, and uh, medical cannabis, as far as the guidelines go with Health Canada, it's stipulated differently, ultimately. And then if you look even further into the recreational production side of things, the adult use market production, there's even further stipulations separating or defining Indigenous cannabis productions. So where I'm at here in Canada or in Manitoba specifically, I, I hold a seat with uh, an independent seat with Indigenous Bloom Hemp Corp and the Indigenous Bloom Group out of Manitoba. And so last night here in Alberta, I found some new Indigenous grown product as well. And it's from Nova Scotia. I was going to check with you today by chance if I ended up grabbing some one of your genetics by chance, but Masiku, Masiku. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's Atlantic Can Medical, mm -hmm. Medical Inc. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've heard of that. quality flower right out of that, you know what I mean? Right out of the package, right out of the, but more importantly, Indigenous produced medical cannabis you know, indigenous owned, indigenous sold, and and that's going to be the breakthrough. So, some of the some of the literature I've provided of what what was transpiring in Manitoba, and then looking ahead into 2022, how all that's going to come around. Coming out of Quebec, is it similarly like uh, in that region with the First Nations communities or First Nations uh, the nations themselves? Have you had uh, have you had that experience? Is there is there particular indigenous players that are starting to come up? And, and come up through, and I mean, indigenous in the full realm, man, like not just for Canadian First Nations or Métis, uh, you know, Black-owned businesses coming out of Montreal, anything like that, is, is have, have you noticed that any, are you familiar um, with, I'm, yeah, the differences yeah. That, that lie in the production, yeah. Um, so not really more so, but I do have like, you know, um, I work with a couple, well, I work with a couple companies, I work with a company um, called Seven Leaf, um, oh, out yeah. in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. So um, I work with them in order to go ahead and uh, get some potential genetics inside there and get some strains and everything like that, since how it's a different market, right? right. Um, so the good thing about the indigenous market is that, you know, like uh, if I'm giving, um, let's say we're giving strains to a specific uh, party um, out in whatever in Canada, 
the great thing about indigenous market is that we can give them all of our strains. We can give them all of the genetics, right? Because it's a completely different market. So there's yeah, nobody yeah. stepping on each other's toes type deal, right? Right. Um, so um, we don't. I don't really see that much of a market there yet building up, but it's starting to. You know, it's okay. something that I'm seeing more and more frequent as far as individuals becoming licensed, as far as um, individuals turning their shops um, into regulated facilities in order to go ahead and buy product um, from licensed producers, um, or from the OCS or whatever the case is. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, that's becoming more and more frequent from, uh, from what I see. I just haven't really dabbed in it, uh, dabbled into it too much myself. That'll be perfect opportunity for us to stay connected through 2022. Part of yeah. uh, what I'll be doing for indigenous boom at the retail store is that exactly, uh, recruiting product, indigenous owned, indigenous produced products specifically, that we can sell from ourselves that's not produced by us. So, I mean, that's gonna be for sure an opportunity and well worth worth keeping up. What are you smoking there, Mahat? Uh, I'm actually smoking our mint cream right now. Uh, oh, yeah. That was bred by Alchemy Genetics and that was selected by the Legacy Market exclusively for our dessert menu for 2022. Very so cool, man. Yeah. We have a lot of great things for uh, coming on for 2022. We wanna really to do a lot of flavor for 2022 um so um we updated our website with all of the strains we're going to be bringing online uh we updated it with uh the players that are going to be growing it and everything like that too um but yeah really looking forward in order to go ahead and uh working with players in order to get these genetics onto the canadian market you know and into the indigenous market as well you awesome. know because it's something that we are looking to go ahead and uh satisfy uh, when it comes to providing um uh, that market their genetics or their flowers or whatever the case is you know very very open to it for sure, for sure. So on the medical side of things, once again here, did you catch the last few days? So I know like yesterday I, I seen an article floating around Pfizer taking the cake on uh, cannabis industry investment. Did you catch anything with that? That's, yeah, a, that's a great what? one. They set a record, man, $6.4 billion they're investing into the cannabis industry, just announced. So yeah, I mean, like, know, yeah. Um, to be honest, like, uh, I think that the cannabis industry, it's a very, it's a very mature industry. You know, it's not an industry where you're going to come in and throw money at it and, you know, expect to expect to win. Right. right. I think uh, it's been, that's precedent's been very clearly established for sure over the first three years. Time yeah. and time again. Right. So um, to be honest, when I hear about these deals being done or whatever the case is, it's like, it's, it's not a threat, you know, it's not a right. threat, especially if they're not dealing with individuals that are, that know the product and know the, cause look, man, it's one thing, it's one thing to sell cannabis. It's another thing to sell an experience and to bring a culture with it. Right. right? Those are two completely different things. Cause anybody can go ahead and grow cannabis, but what kind of cannabis are you growing? And is there a culture behind it? And do you even know what you're growing? Do you even know where you right. got it from? Do you even know how it tastes? Do you even know why you're pushing that product? Right. So before we push anything and just, I was, as it was inside the legacy market, you know, we didn't choose anything based off of COAs. We chose it based off of whether it was a quads or not, whether it was fire, whether it smoked good, whether there was an oil ring, whether it burned white, whether, you know, if you wanted to go, if you put out the joint and you relit it, does it taste the same? Does it taste even better? Right. Right? Like There's all these little things, you know, and, um, you know, like when consumer I get based. Yeah. You know, like that's really what we are at the end of the day. We're consumers ourselves. So it's easier for us to go ahead and know what the consumer wants because it's the same thing I want. 
right? I just want good right. smoke and I just want the person that's packaging a product to know what they're packaging and not lie to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's all it is, you know? And when you have big companies like that coming in and they're not taking that into account and they think that they can go ahead and, you know, run a business from their executive boards uh, down in the cultivation rooms, it doesn't really correlate good. Right. So right. Um, once we have a company that comes in and, you know, even if they're doing a six point one billion dollar investment, whatever the case is or purchase, you know, um, it's not going to matter unless, you know, they're doing it the, with the right parties because uh, a million square foot of trash is still a million square foot of trash, you know. So absolutely. Yeah, you got that. man. So you mentioned down international once already. So are you set up now to do international or is that that's something that's coming coming with the legacy market 2022? Uh, yeah, so it's coming for uh, 2022, essentially, like we already help Canadian companies get into uh, the international markets uh, like Israel and so forth. Right. Uh, so we have uh, uh, great strategic ties in Israel when it comes to like the medical side and things um, in order to go ahead and get product over there. Uh, so essentially what we do is that uh, we'll help um, either companies that are EU GMP certified here in Canada uh, with deals going over there or help Canadian companies that are not uh, essentially EU GMP certified and help them with their whole auditing situation and right. whatnot in order to go ahead and uh, finish that uh, uh, crossover to that finish line in order to pretty much broaden their distribution channels. So just kind of paving the way and eh? making it, that's, that's the, yeah. yeah. Using it, using your education, right. And just navigating simple paths, the easy routes. Yeah. Yeah, man, you know, like when you've been through it, you know, you fell inside the potholes multiple times, you know, you, you know how not to fall inside a pothole anymore, right? right? The wise man is who failed a thousand times, not the person who got it right the first time, right? Yeah. So yeah. we failed a thousand times, you know, and we know exactly how to go ahead and um, pretty much just navigate through uh, the noise without having to uh, deal with any types of hiccups or hurdles. So the like, are you planning? Is the legacy market planning at all to to go license holder status at any time on your own production, or you're satisfied with where, where's the direction for the, the let's say the the next two and a half years remaining, or the next three years remaining of the new this 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 review of the uh, the regulation. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, who knows where we can be in six months from now, you know, in a year from yeah. now, so <laughs> I never really know, you know, but as far as the legacy market, you know, my whole goal right now is uh, just to make sure that these genetics are getting inside, um, are getting into the market, into the right, um, into the right nurseries in order to go ahead and propagate, uh, providing those genetics to our strategic players, making sure that we're providing flavor to the industry and making sure that uh, you know, there's not an oversaturation of the product and making sure we pick the right players in order to go ahead and um, bring the product out there, you know, because um, our rep uh, our reputation is at stake as well. So we want to make sure that whatever is being put out is um, is the best product possible. And um, the cherry on top is that, you know, we're going to be coming out with our own SKUs as far as the legacy market um, in which we just finished registering with Health Canada not too long ago. So we're going to be getting inside BC very shortly. Uh, we're going to be getting inside Alberta very shortly, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Awesome. Uh, we're going to be dropping on a medical platform as far as Mendo Medical and Hybrid Farms as well. And um, yeah, you know, like really taking it, uh, really, really taking it up to wherever it, it might lead. You know, we never know. I wasn't thinking I was going to do packaged products this year, you know, but here I am packaging the legacy market SKUs, you know, and yeah, about yeah. to drop our dubs, trips, and quads into the market and staying true to the lingo, you know, and 
I think that's really the um, uh, the great thing about this industry is that it's so fresh and it's so new that you know, like you're here today, you know, next year, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How's your take with the recreational? We talked about it at the beginning and just be kind of before we cut it out uh, anyway, the Manitoba and the Quebec relationship similarly in the provincial governments on on not having recreational grow permitted at this point. So you there's a lobby group in Quebec, Toba grown out of Manitoba. They're now connecting up with Jack Lloyd and trying to bring it back into Manitoba right away. But like, how has that generally been for, for, for Quebecers, man, not being allowed to produce their, their, is it, is it more of a uh, industry, provincial industry push there for, for the market that way, like for what exists now, or is it generally? Honest, um, Montreal is Quebec is a, Quebec is a country of their own. Okay. That's the best way I can put it, you know, yeah. um, Quebec doesn't care about nobody else, you know, so Quebec just does their own thing, you know, um, when it comes to the legal, when it comes to the recreational side or even the medical side, um, to be honest, most people in Quebec don't even know about the medical program. They don't even, not even aware about the ACMPR program, you know, um, right. most of them are even, that stigma suppression is there, eh? Like, oh, it's so heavy here, even after years, you know what I mean? Um, um, nobody's really aware of that until you go ahead and you educate them about it, you know? Um, right. so a lot of people are somewhat still in their cave, so to speak, when it comes to that, you know, uh, people have been growing in Quebec for years, you know, uh, license, no license, uh, you know, that has never stopped Quebecers, you know, um, yeah. or that has never stopped really, uh, anybody really in Canada, you know, no. so, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, yeah, man, to be honest, uh, it's, it's a different animal over here. I haven't really seen that, um, that part just because I don't deal with, um, uh, with the recreational side like that really as much, you know, I'm so focused on, uh, just helping licensed producers with their genetics, helping, um, just individuals get to market distribution, um, you know, getting my brand to market that, um, I see about what's going on with the whole four plant household thing and allowing Quebec and Manitoba in order to go ahead and allow them just like they do in Ontario and everywhere else, right. you know, yeah. um, but, um, again, uh, not a battle that I'm looking to go ahead and fight at the moment, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, not at all. One, one thing that comes to mind for me. So looking at this, the education portion of it, the regulations and, and navigating ultimately how, how everything's kind of falling into place. One thing that comes to mind for me from Manitoba and Quebec, uh, I'm, I don't know if it exists in other, so almost like sentinel storage in a way, if that could become something of, uh, so having an ACMPR and you can produce up to three other gardens, so to speak, for med three other medical, medically licensed uh, or medically prescribed. Yeah. So looking at the large scale, is that something you could, you see? So, I mean, not medical for sale, commercial scale, but let's say uh, warehousing multiple into say 50 or more gardens privately for medical growers as uh, spaces that, you know, providing the quality assurance and everything like that. Is that to be honest, I think that that's going to be a very hard, um, a very hard thing to do, you know, uh, considering the, you know, that's, that's 10 different SOPs you have to take into consideration. You know, that's 10 different practices you have to take into consideration. You have to make sure everybody, is doing um pretty much uh sorry can you hear me oh yeah can you i can okay so 
uh, you have to make sure that everybody's pretty much doing the same practices and everything like that, right? So um, at that point, I think it's just better for individuals to become micro producers, you know, like there's, 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 um, you know, like when you're building up a micro and, you know, there's a big misconception that you need to have millions of dollars in order to go ahead and build a facility and this and that, which is not the case, right? Um, um, as long as, you know, like you can build out a portion of your facility, you can show Health Canada that a portion of it is, you know, operational and everything like that, um, you know, it'll go a long way, right? Um, but uh, when you're taking product that's, let's say, grown inside a medical setting, like let's say grown inside a basement or grown inside somebody's room or this and that, whatever the case is, it's not really to the standards that you would want them to go ahead and be grown at, right? Especially when you're providing general public um and you're and you know you have to look at canada too when you're looking at cannabis we're looking at it we look at it as a medical front first not a recreational front right so whatever that's growing it has to be grown inside a setting where you know it's um it passes medical regulations right or passes standard operating procedures so um it's way easier to do that by having you know micro producers and everything like that as opposed to having a bunch of different products that's grown out who knows where they're growing it, right? Then, um, you know, like it's more of a hassle. It's more of a nuisance in order to go ahead and make sure everything is clean. And, you know, it's not a big, pro it's not a big lot, you know, like if you're producing a hundred kilos, 50 kilos a month, you know, you might as well become a micro producer at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you're producing 40 kilos a month, become a micro producer at that point it's way it's way more convenient on this side you know like the whole reason why the regulator market is open um just so you don't have to look over your shoulder anymore you know what i'm saying so we don't have to do any of that you know like you know where there's a market that's being literally ran down you know where this market is flourishing uh you know like you could put your money inside the bank on this side you could get three dollars a gram on this side you get three fifty four dollars a gram on this side you know if you're getting yeah. If you're getting stupid prices on the black market, you know, and your stuff is surpassing what everybody else is getting, you know, you might as well come to the regulator market and really do it for real and get your money's worth, you know, because it's only a matter of time before the other side, something happens. And with federal, with it being federal laws right now, you know, it's a way harsher condition than it was before, you know, because now we're dealing with uh, federal repercussions, you know, as opposed to provincial repercussions. Yes, yes. Brand marketing, the big one. That's the that's the uh, that's the tricky one. So the regulations are still quite stiff. Nothing was announced after the three year regulation on changing. Uh, here we are. Neither of us licensed holders. So I mean, the safe haven in that is is to do what we're doing now. Uh, the mm -hmm. trick for Flourish Ventures Limited, decolonized cannabis. <clears throat> number of my platforms have been uh, approved for monetization and uh, uh, paid paid sponsorship advertisements. So all of that stuff. None of it I've kicked in, so I'm looking looking at that for 2022. Obviously, as uh, number one, like I mentioned, wait for the regulations to see what comes up, if anything, on if they're going to lessen some of the 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 strict the restrictions on the brand marketing, where we could go into some of that, uh, you know, uh, partnership and agreement on specifically that exclusive brand marketing for for other brands. But up until then, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I've been uh, successful out here in Calgary. Uh, in the industry in the short time I've been out here uh, to reestablish things and then kind of pick back up on on where the stigma held me back in Manitoba. So I mean, in the short time I've been here, uh, had a couple of investor meetings with interest coming through on that. 
uh, industry employment. So retail, bud tender, supervisor, and uh, believe it or not, one of the one of the most interesting is the the Calgary Board of Education. They've uh, taken some interest into my application, which is uh, pretty pro cannabis oriented, and so I'm looking at that based on that. Uh, what they might be looking at as far as the, the provincial government in Alberta is looking at possibly for curriculum coming down the line. So those are the types of things I try to monitor. Those are what I try to, like when you, when you, when you say apply experience and know-how, and then looking at the projection without getting too caught up in, in or straying away to something that might not pay off. But when I look at that, so brand marketing regulations, the education component going to be a huge one. And then curriculum changes coming in the uh, the Canadian education system alone. So uh, with that in mind, if I, I when we first met, I mentioned I have Pyrazure Cannabis Incorporated reserved. Uh, it's registered. It's, a tent, it's an entity that's up for multiple shareholders. So I mean that is still the ultimate goal. Going into two years now, that could be four years, five years. But I'm really banking on you know the education stuff. If it really kicks off. I couldn't be any more happy doing what I'm doing through the podcast. Uh, if this leads to guest speaking and presenting, and then like you mentioned, helping other organizations navigate or, or players that come together that won't really want to go. So it's really important. I really appreciate the time that you've, uh, you've lent and the information you've shared tonight, uh, mm. especially because you're, you're, you're macro, right? Like you're on the macro scale. You're very well adversed in, in the industry at, with all the experience and out there. And uh, I'm coming up, you know what I mean? It, it can be any better fitting than to be coming up. One, I see that uh, there is success at the end of some of the tunnels that we go through in this process. And then ultimately uh, networking, man, and connecting and staying connected. So we already mentioned, like, I'm going to be looking at, and, and viewers can, can know that this is going to grow. It's going to flourish. We're going to be looking at bringing some legacy market product to Manitoba Indigenous Bloom, and I'm in Alberta, so I'll be right here, man, when it drops, Alberta, BC, I've got lots of family in BC, and that, that's just the way we work, so I'm going to keep putting it out there, I'm going to get uh, RMR to catch into this stuff, we're going to get it out there, and the, whatever I can do for the legacy market to get more people interested in connecting with you out in the East Coast, especially, man, that's exactly, exactly what I'd like to be doing, so. Yeah, man, you know, we just want to get the word out there, you know, and uh, to be honest, you know, um, when it comes to like the whole, like, uh, you know, the branding and everything like that, you know, we just want to bring great product, you know, uh, we just want to bring, bring great product and, uh, bring in an experience with it too. You yeah. know, we want to take, bring in our take of what great cannabis is, you know, and not just basing it off of high THC, you know what I'm saying? So yes. we're going to show health Canada, what we think is great quality, you know, and that's going to be as soon as you open up the bag and you're going to know the difference of a dubs and a quads yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Terpene profile, another big one coming into play too, man. The turfs like, and you know, and, and, and more people are definitely becoming educated on it. Brands have definitely from 2020, just at the end of 2021, a lot of the packaging you're seeing now, terpene profiles, or at least references to it. So you can hit the website and dig up the information you want, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with man. you on that hundred percent, man, 110% full flavor and uh, looking for that entourage effect, not just the THC, high THC. I mean, those shoppers are still going to be there, but yeah, I think, I think moving into a new era and breaking it down, even some some edibles are, are beginning to look at going strain specific. I mean, so if it starts getting into that, you know, the market's still, you know, yeah. and we're talking about like, we're talking about like product and brands like that and everything, you know, like, uh, 
you know, like when we first started off, you know, we were inside horses and buggies, you know what I mean? And transportation, you know, uh, now look, there's like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and everything out there. Right. So, right. you know, we have to start somewhere in order to end up somewhere completely different, you know, and when I look at the cannabis industry, you know, I look at it like vehicles, you know, we can both get to point A to point B, the same way we can get there in a Toyota, the same way we can get in a Rolls Royce, you know, right. but the difference is, are you willing to pay for the experience? You know, that's the only difference, you know, and you know, that when you buy a Rolls Royce or when you're riding in a Rolls Royce, you know, you're paying for quality, you know, you know that every inch of that vehicle has been hand built, you know, it takes six months to build one Rolls Royce vehicle. You know, uh, it takes what uh, a day in order to build a Toyota. You know, or, so or fifty thousand Toyotas. <laughs> right. So you know what I mean. So it's that type of things that we're talking about, or it's really quality we're looking at, and that's how we're trying to approach it. You know, where it's like, look, you can have your average vehicle that's out there, but you know, we're going to be providing something that's uh, a little bit um, above average. Awesome, awesome, Mahad. Well, I, we're, we're reaching the end of our time here, bud. And uh, I'm going to basically, you know, this anyone watching here, Decolonize Cannabis, Volume 2, Episode 7. A lot more to come in 2022. New volume and uh, more episodes, as well as uh, my engagement, my involvement with other entities. That's going to be bringing more great brands like the Legacy Market and returning, uh, hopefully, Mahad, to a larger platform uh, in the new year. My man, with that, I'm going to leave you the last words. Any, any love you want to throw out to any of your bros, any of the brands, anyone big like that through Canada. And uh, you know what I mean? Otherwise, it's happy holidays, man. It's Christmas. Yeah, man. You know, just shout out to all of my breeders, all of the pheno hunters, all of the cultivators, you know. Um, you know, wish everybody happy holidays. Uh, anybody looking to go ahead and get into the regulator market. Uh, this is what we're here for. You know, we help individuals make the switch over to the other side. Um, and yes, it is greener on this side. You know, it is true what you've heard. <laughs> That's good. That was my pleasure, huh?